0: What's up guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Listen To Me Speak podcast. We are on season 2 episode 23 and I want to thank you guys so much for listening to last week's episode. I know this week's episode is going to be out a little bit later than the norm, but this week has just been so frustratingly unpredictable. This week's episode has suffered from numerous delays, but I'm really really hoping to get this episode out to you guys by Thursday. I promise it's worth the wait and thank you for being so patient. Again, thank you to everybody who listened last week and who shared it on their social media or played it for friends or even recommended this podcast. It means a lot to me because like I say, all the time I spend a whole lot of time putting these episodes together as you can see so it really does mean a lot to me when people listen and they share. Now at the time of this recording there is a thunderstorm going on I happen to be recording right now while the storm seems to have passed that's another unpredictable thing that occurred this week and of course it's not safe to record or have any technology or electronics running during a storm, so I waited for the storm to pass, so I'm going to try to run through everything I got to get through this episode. Of course, I'm trying not to rush myself because I did put a lot into this episode, but I'm also trying to optimize as much time as I can. So let's get right into this episode. So I'm going to start it off by talking about Bill Cosby because much to my disbelief the man has been released from prison and when i first got the apple news notification of the article saying that he's he was being released i really thought it was a joke i'm like no way this man has how many accusations against him like there's no way and even when i read the article and they explained how he was able to overturn this cuz not only is he being released from prison He can't be tried for any of these crimes again. And from the article I read, if I remember correctly, it said that due to some deal he made with another judge or prosecutor or whatever, I guess whatever that deal entailed, he was not supposed to be charged for any of these crimes, and they charged him anyway, and so now the whole case is being overturned. It sounds like complete bullshit to me. Even aside from the numerous, numerous accusations against him, that I believe, because I certainly believe he committed those, there are so many people in the industry who knew what was going on who back up a lot of these women's claims against him. So the fact that this they even allowed this just shows how fucked up the justice system is and why so many people like myself don't believe in it and and don't trust in it and, and can't rely on it. There are so many women who are so afraid of charging their rapists or accusing them of committing rape or, or whatever you want to call it and this feeds into their fears of yeah I can accuse them I can take it to the cops I can take it to court but nothing is really going to be done that's why you see such a low rate of survivors of rape going to court and suing um their abusers because nine times out of ten it doesn't work out in their favor and this Bill Cosby overturned is just a bigger slap in the face to not only the Me Too movement but to the women that he assaulted. So I was really really shocked to read. I know his lawyers were working for I think since he's been in jail to get his case overturned. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Felicia Rashad showed her support for Bill Cosby by tweeting that you know the justice system really got it right which put a bad taste in my mouth because especially because she's a woman and as a woman for you to defend and applaud a man who has committed so many vicious acts towards other women for you to applaud and celebrate his release just didn't sit right with me it didn't sit right with a lot of people she has since backtracked but it's it's too late obviously her first tweet expressed her true emotions and her true feelings so I really feel like her tweeting oh you know I stand and believe the survivors it's kind of like being hypocritical because you can't be Team Bill Cosby and also support um, his victims. You just can't. So that put a bad taste in my mouth. I'm sure a lot of people feel how I feel. At this point, there's nothing else that can really be done. The case has been overturned. He is going to be released. They can't charge him for these crimes again. I guess the only little bit of, and it's it doesn't even feel right to say this, but the only thing really... That they can get out of it was okay. He got a little bit of prison time, not as much as far as I'm concerned. I feel like he should have, he deserved to rot in jail. I don't care how old he is, people use the old card. I don't care that he's blind. It's like, this man committed these crimes when he was able bodied, so I don't care if he's not anymore. He deserves to pay for what he's done. I guess the only positive is you know, he faced some jail time and his career is a good, as good as dead because nobody's gonna work with the man ever again. But it is a shame and it's another big L for the justice system. But there's, there's a lot that needs to be fixed there. And I can go on and on about this topic, but I'll just leave it at that because I, I still can't even come up with the words to express how shocked I was reading that and how disgusted I, I am with that decision. But I just hope that his victims can get some peace and they can heal and that they're taking care of themselves during this difficult time. So it was announced by Deadline that Daniel Panabaker, Candace Patton, and Jesse L. Martin have all signed new deals to return for The Flash season 8. I hope for my sake that season 8 is a much better season than this current season and even the season prior to. I feel like The Flash is getting, it's hitting a rut much like most TV shows that have been running for years and years do. I just think that The Flash could use a more exciting storyline. I think some of the new characters that they've introduced into Team Flash just aren't that exciting or interested. I'm really not interested in a lot of their storylines. I do like Chester. I think he's nerdy and cute and, and funny so I don't mind him as a new member of Team Flash. I think it was a logical choice to have him step into Cisco's shoes, though that's going to be very hard because he is very smart. And I think, you know, he's a little bit younger than Cisco. He has fresh ideas. He brings something new to the table. But as far as the storylines go, The Flash could really use better storylines. And this is coming from someone who loves The Flash. The Flash is one of my favorite superheroes after Spider Man. I just think that the writers really need to pull their heads together and. Come up with something different for season eight just as simple as that. I wouldn't be surprised if season eight is the last season for the show I think a lot of the actors are kind of losing steam and they're probably looking to do something else you know the actors who play Cisco and Wells they've exited the show you know Grant Gustin who plays The Flash He's married his wife is pregnant so he's about to have a child Candace Patton seems to kind of be in the acceptance stage of you know there is life after The Flash and and I'm looking forward to seeing you know how her career goes post-Flash but I, I really wouldn't be shocked if they announced that season eight is the final season for The Flash and I wouldn't be mad at it either because like I said the past couple of seasons have been kind of the show has kind of gone downhill the past couple of seasons. So, moving on from The Flash, you know I had to talk about the Bow Wow and Soldier Boy verses. Now, despite how I feel about both Bow Wow and Soldier Boy, they ran my childhood. I loved them, especially Bow Wow. I had almost every album, if not every album. I loved him, I knew every song. I watched all his music videos, like you couldn't tell me shit about Bow Wow when I was five or six years old. I loved him. That really was my era, the Bow Wows, the Soldier Boys, the B2Ks, like that really, really was my era, the Omarions and really I I kick myself that I really didn't go see them in their prime when they were going on tour together, when Bow Wow and Omarion dropped that joint album and then they went on tour together. I really regret not seeing Bow Wow in his prime. In concert and so when it was announced that they were doing the verses even though I felt like Bow Wow deserved a more worthy opponent because Bow Wow does have a large catalog despite what we think about Bow Wow he does have an amazing catalog he's got hits upon hits he really ran a decade we got to give him his credit for that I felt like he deserved someone who was more in his league but Bow Wow was also one of those artists where it's kind of hard to find other artists like him because there was no other poppin kid rapper when Bow Wow was coming up he kind of ran things on his own you know they tried to push Romeo as competition but Romeo had maybe one or two hit songs he never really he had more success as an actor on the Romeo show than he did you know in his music career so Bow Wow is one of those artists where it's kind of really hard to him against someone I guess Social Boy is the closest that you can get for him but when they announced it I was like oh I'm watching it for Bow Wow alone because that's going to be a great way to celebrate his music and it really took me back to my childhood. I still remember all the lyrics to all of the songs that he played for the most part there were a couple of songs like features that you know I wasn't really into back then so I didn't really recognize But for the most part, like Bow Wow really had me, I I won't say on my feet because I was sitting in my bed, but he really had me getting down, rapping the words, singing my heart out, especially when he brought out Omarion, like that was a moment. And though I think the bringing out Romeo was random and didn't make sense in some ways it was also just a good celebration of the early 2000s and my generation who grew up on that music so even though Bow Wow clearly won because Soldier Boy after four or five songs had nothing left for him he kept playing that stupid big Draco record or whatever it's called um over and over again because he clearly quite clearly didn't have the the catalog that Bow Wow had to to go against him 20 for 20 um but but Soldier Boy he does have a lot of he does not a lot I had to catch myself. He does have a couple of important records from Soldier Boy Tell Him which I feel like was the precursor of TikTok with, you know, incorporating a dance into music, you know. Soldier Boy was really one. I don't want to say he was the first, but I do think that he him dropping Soldier Boy Tell Him that so I mean Soldier Boy tell him him dropping that record kind of was the lead into a lot of these TikTok challenges and these crazes so even though you know dances incorporated into songs existed prior to I think Soldier Boy's um that song just kind of took it to a new level so I gotta give him credit for that kiss me through the phone is still my jam like turn my swag on still gets me hyped so Soldier Boy does have a couple of those records that really go, you hear them, um, Donk too, like, you know, Nicki Minaj took that song to a whole new level to the point where it's just her song now. Every time you hear that beat, if, especially if you're from New York, you're going to automatically think of Itty Bitty Piggy. Um, so Soldier Boy does have a couple of those important records, but Bow Wow watched him. He could go on and on. There are songs of Bow Wows that he didn't even play because he didn't really even need them at that point. So especially when he got in his, you know, Destiny's Child bag, you know, so Bow Wow to me clearly won, but overall it was just a great celebration of a great decade, you know, a lot of people love the 90s and and stuff like that, but I feel like a lot of people, they don't appreciate the early 2000s either, because that really was a great decade for music, and it was just a great, it just took me back, it was a great way to like, feel like a kid again. I'm pretty sure the Versus playlist is up by now, but... I'm definitely gonna go check it out on Spotify when I have the chance and run back a lot of my favorites and a lot of songs that I hadn't heard in years that I had completely forgotten that I don't even think I have saved so you know I'm really for Swiss and Tim doing more early 2000s artists and and doing versus battles like that because that I had fun I had fun watching that versus for sure. Moving on from Bow Wow and the Soldier Boy versus Nicki Minaj who actually made who kind of made an appearance in the verses not physically but um I think it was before he played Itty Bitty Piggy he had played that Big Draco record I think that's what it's called I could be wrong because like I said I don't keep up with Soulja Boy anymore but she did kind of like this drop where it was kind of like a remix where she spit like a couple of bars on the song which were dope and of course the internet went crazy and you know, we were tweeting her, where's the remix? We want the remix. And Nikki pretty much just said it was for the verses. It was just a drop. It wasn't an intended remix, which I think is bullshit. Just put out the freestyle. This is something that Nikki's known for, like, you know, before she drops her album, she always does like a little freestyle run where she just drops remixes to, to pop in songs just to get her fans hyped and ready for new music. I think one of the best runs she- Freestyle runs she ever did was before the pink print. That is iconic and I'm so glad that so many of those freestyles made it onto the Be Me Up Scotty um, re-release on streaming services. But anyway, after a lot of fans were begging her to drop that remix, she went on Instagram Live and previewed a song from the Queen era that never made it onto the album. It's called Big Barbie, which is so dope. It's her spitting on a trap beat. I believe it's produced by Murder Beats. I think that's what someone said. I, I think that's his, I that's the tag that I hear when I listen to the snippet. It's so dope. I always felt like Nikki would just spaz on trap beats. I'd, I'd like to hear her on more of those. And so I feel like that song was definitely album- worthy and should have made Queen but she did have a lot of Barbie you know titles on the album so it could be why she didn't put that song on Queen but it was much deserved she really could have gotten rid of Sir or that Coco Chanel record with Foxy Brown and replaced it with Big Barbie but anyway um after she played the snippet of Big Barbie she teased an announcement my guess is that it could be for the release date for her HBO Max docuseries I really don't anticipate her releasing an album until maybe the fourth quarter of the year I can't imagine she'll do a a summertime release but depending on when the six parts are finished of her docuseries she may release the lead single shortly after the the docuseries has concluded so I, I definitely think that we're getting a new Nicki Minaj album this year if she hadn't tease the HBO Max docu-series if she if she decided not to do a documentary I probably wouldn't expect the Nicki Minaj album for a while considering she just had a baby we're in a pandemic still but the fact that we are getting a docu-series from her on HBO Max and she's just been more vocal about putting out this new album especially lately I definitely think uh, a Nicki Minaj album in 2021 is a for sure thing and I can't wait for part one of her docu-series to drop Nikki is kind of a tease though she'll say oh I have an announcement I have a surprise and then like she'll go weeks without saying anything so this could be another case of that I think she made this announcement a couple of days ago that she was gonna announce something and still nothing so I guess we'll end up seeing what the announcement is but I can't imagine it's anything but the release date for um the first part of her docu-series Either way I can't wait because you know I go up for some Nikki. Speaking of release dates, Willow Smith's new album Lately I Feel Everything drops July 16th and I really love this pop punk rock bag that Willow has been in. It really really suits her so I can't wait for this. Again it's like me revisiting my childhood, the early 2000s where you know pop punk was Or, you know, pop rock was more apparent and it was more popular. It kind of died out a little bit. So, you know, hearing songs like Transparent Soul and Lipstick from Willow and even some of the songs on Olivia Rodrigo's Sour album, it's just been a great um, way to revisit my childhood and revisit a genre I forgot how much I loved. So I'm going to be tuned in July 16th when she drops this album. I can't wait. I feel like this is just a bright new chapter for Willow. She's just living in her truth. She gets to be herself and she gets to really take the reins when it comes to creating her own art and I love the fact that Jay-Z allows both Willow and Jayden to do what they want to do music wise because they really are unique and they think outside of the box so I can't wait for this to drop. Speaking of July 16th, Pop Smoke's upcoming album drops that day as well. I definitely feel like his estate should have waited another three or four years to put this out especially because his you know, last album is still performing extremely well. It's always moving incredible, incredibly high units. So it feels like they're milking him dry now and trying to um, capitalize on his death as much as they can. You know, Pop Smoke isn't here anymore, so he'll never be able to actively record new music. So when it comes to artists that have passed, when you have a lot of music, I do think that you should hold tighter to it and release it in in between long breaks you know we this album is still selling like I said people are still enjoying it it's a long album especially the with when you um factor in the deluxe songs so I really think that they even could have waited five or six years to release another one because you know you're gonna release all this music constantly and then you're gonna run out and you have nothing else to give his fans later on down the line so I do wish they would have taken their time but it is what it is this is not the first time that this has happened to an artist it won't be the last. Logic released a new compilation album filled with tracks from his Young Sinatra mixtape series and I became a Logic fan later like the mid-2010s or really the late 2010s because it it really started when he released his um Bobby Tarantino 2 mixtape And it's funny because when he released the first Bobby Tarantino, I think I was on vacation in Jamaica. Don't tell me why I remember these things, but I do. I was on vacation in Jamaica. It came across my timeline because an old friend of mine loves Logic. And I was like, you know what? I've heard of Logic before. I've heard a couple of songs. I want to get into a new rapper. I'm going to check him out. And then by the time, and I had no Wi-Fi at the time, so it's not like I could have listened to it as it dropped. By the time I got back from my vacation it completely went out of my mind. I completely forgot to check it out but it seemed like it was meant to be because I stumbled across Bobby Tarantino 2, listened to that and fell in love with Logic as a rapper and then I went back and listened to his old stuff and Bobby Tarantino and I liked it as much as I thought I would but for me I wasn't a fan during the Young Sinatra days and so I don't really hold a lot of those feelings towards his earlier works like his core fan base does i don't realize how important that music is you know for logic's artistry so when he dropped the compilation i had always meant to listen to his mixtapes his young sinatra mixtape series and i had listened to a couple of songs like dead presidents three i had heard already and i loved it But I had never actually sat down and listened so when he announced the compilation for this series I'm like oh great I'm going to start here and I'm just going to listen to the series as he releases them because this was only volume one and I gotta say I absolutely love nearly every song on the on volume one of the Young Sinatra series. I definitely like his older rap style a lot better not to say that Logic is a bad rapper but he's kind of been stuck in a rut the past couple of years No Pressure was a great album, and if he was truly serious about a retirement, what a hell of a finale, but I can't deny that I see where a lot of Logic's fans come from now when they're like, oh, you know, return back to Young Sinatra, go back into that bag, we missed that Logic. I understand it now, especially because his content as well and his themes have kind of become redundant over the years, it's the same shit every time, every album, so I understand a little bit better why his fans have that gripe with him. And kind of want him to return to that. I think I said this last week when I was reviewing Logic's, you know, come back from retirement single. That you know he just kinds, of, he kind of needs a change of pace. And the Young Sinatra series was, of course, a much younger Logic. I think he was a, a teenager. He may have been 18 or 19. He was hungrier. You know, he was younger. He had a lot of fresh ideas, fresh stories to tell. You know, now he's in his early 30s. He's 30, if not 31 and he's got a child now he's married so things are different you're not going to get the same Logic that you got during the Young Sinatra days that's understandable but I do kind of wish I became a fan of Logic during the Young Sinatra days and that I was kind of a fan with him from the beginning And, and it's always different when you're experiencing an artist from the very beginning it's a little bit sweeter you know that's why for me Drake gets clowned a lot and Drake also has a lot of like what's the word for it for now fans you know, he's very, very popular, he's in the band, so he has a lot of for now fans, when he falls off, some of those fans will no longer be there, a lot of those fans were not there from the beginning, for me, I was a fan of Drake from the beginning, so watching his success and his rise has been a little bit sweeter, because I was there from the beginning, and and it's a little bit When you've been with an artist from the beginning and they hit milestones like 10-year anniversaries and 15-year anniversaries, it's kind of like, wow, the time just flies by. And before we know it, we're going to be talking about a 20-year anniversary. So I do wish that I was there um, from the beginning for Logic because that... Volume one of that Young Sinatra series was is crazy. I've ran that compilation back a few times. I really do enjoy the music. He also announced a new single called "Vaccine" for this Friday. Again, I think the title is corny. I said the same thing about the Migos when they released a song called "Vaccine." I ended up actually liking the song. It was one of the better songs on the album, so that may be the case for Logic. But I'm 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 kind of cringing at the title though. But I know a lot of a lot of rappers, a lot of artists especially they're going to start coming out with covid lines and and then covid inspired titles like this one and stuff like that. I I was I already expected it. Moving on from Logic, Drake and Brent Faiyaz have a new track coming called Wasting Time. It's coming this week and it'll be produced by The Neptunes, which is no surprise because the the cover art for the single is a direct copy of an old Neptunes cover art, so That's not a shock to me. I know there have been rumors for the past couple of years now that the Neptunes are like coming back together for an album. They have worked with numerous artists from Normani to Megan Thee Stallion lately even producing Monica's most recent single with Lil Baby called Trenches. It's very clear that they haven't lost it. Chad Hugo and Pharrell haven't lost that spark together. It'll be interesting to hear what a full album from them sounds like in 2021 but I think the Neptunes always kind of had a futuristic sound that's what made them stand apart from any other production team or producer in the game so I think they're just not capable of sounding dated or sounding out of place. The Neptunes will always make it work for them so it'll be interesting to see what they cooked up with Drake and Brent fires and how that is gonna be. Brent Fias is... R&B singer for those of you who don't know so this song is most likely going to be R&B Drake he's most likely going to be singing on this track maybe this will be a little bit um, of a taste of certified lover boy honestly with a title like that it should be more of an R&B album but we'll see or at least a moodier Drake it it, if I had my way if I was A&R'ing certified lover boy I would make it kind of like a part two to take care not a direct sequel but kind of like a continuation of the album honestly I'm over Drake doing the features and collabs and things like that I just want the album from him I want solo music but I guess at this point we got to take what we can get so I will be tuned into wasting time so now I want to get into the album review segment of this episode and I'm going to start off with Tyler the creator who dropped his new album call me if you get lost last week now I've never been a huge Tyler fan Nor have I ever really listened to an entire album of his before, but what I can tell you is that this album is a clear return to his rap roots. Tyler has always been extremely creative with each album being different sonically. You can't really bill him as just a rapper, but on Call Me If You Get Lost, he proves that he's got the bars to hang with great lyricists. I also really love that he brought back Gangsta Grills and had DJ Drama host this album because it really gave it a mixtape type of energy and you can just really tell he had fun creating this album he brought the fun and free feelings that you get while creating a mixtape on an album and it worked and, and also he just gave a nostalgic feeling and for those people complaining about dj drama's commentary throughout the album clearly didn't grow up in the gangsta grills era and doesn't understand that that's you know how gangsta grills work that's how dj drama works. clearly they don't appreciate that whatever The main theme or topic on this album seems to be about a girl Tyler wants to be there for while also knowing he can't have her because she's with someone else. A story that seems to be a chapter out of his real life story because again it's a reoccurring theme and it really plays into the title call me if you get lost like hey call me if you need something I'll be right here for you if you get lost and we can figure it out. I really like the theme on this album because it's real and it's Tyler sharing a vulnerable moment with his fans. I'm not sure if, he, if it's something he does a whole lot because, again, I, I'm not a huge fan of Tyler's. I know on Flower Boy, I think that's the album he came out on as bisexual, I think. I, I don't, you know, really remember how he identifies. I assume that's how it is. And so that may have been the last real vulnerable moment. That's a big deal. That's a big thing to reveal. So that may have been his last vulnerable moment on an album, but I'm not sure if it's something he does a whole lot. But it's refreshing on this album. I'm not one who likes rough, gritty, unfinished sounding production. My dad will tell you that he always makes fun of me because he likes that more rough and gritty, unpolished sound like the Wu-Tang and, and things like that. I'm more of a polished, you know, squeaky clean. I like my production to be seamless and smooth and and, and it sound like it's finished and shiny and all of that. Um, but Tyler's album is kind of more rough and gritty and I feel like... He pulled it off really well, and it didn't sound super off-putting to me. He produced this entire album. That's something that you always have to give him credit for. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's an artist. I think that's incredible. That's a real talent to have, to be able to produce, um, not only to produce music on an entire album, but also to produce gr- to, to produce great music, too, as well, because the production on this album is phenomenal. In fact I think he was able to find a really healthy blend of that polished sound with the darker muddier types of production that you hear throughout this album. I really liked Sweet slash I Thought You Wanted to Dance but I think Sweet is the better song out of the two but I Thought You Wanted to Dance is enjoyable enough that I saved the whole song and also it's not the song is nine minutes but it doesn't feel like it's nine minutes it just feels like one of the songs bleeds into another and I personally love when artists put two songs together in one Chris Brown has done it in the past as well again it was really nice hearing Tyler just rap and have fun and proving that hey he does this shit you know I don't mind the cocky shit when it's not off-putting or when it's deserved where it's like all right you did that shit so I don't mind the cocky stuff the top tracks from Call Me If You Get Lost is What's Your Name, Lumberjack, Hot Wind Blows, Rise, and Wilshire. So I'm going to start off with What's Your Name which features Ty, Dolla Sign, and Young Boy, Never Broke Again. This song is really my bag. I absolutely love the R&B sample used which is Backseat by H-Town. And when I say that this song is really my bag I just mean that it provides everything that I love when it comes to music I love R&B music I love a good R&B sample when it's used right everything about the song is just the moment he posted that snippet I knew it was going to be one of my favorites off of the album and I was right and I really love the sample because it gives it a soulful vibe it also sounds like something straight out of the 90s which I'm sure was the point I do wish that Ty Dolla had a full verse and that artists stop calling him just to be a glorified background vocalist I think he would have skated on this if he had a longer verse and he really is a great artist I think he can provide more than just some background vocals especially since this song is Ty's sweet spot considering his vocal style is clearly inspired by singers like the men from Jodeci and other 90s male vocalists it's just like when you hear a certain song you can just tell sometimes it's a 90s record by the way this, uh, the singers are singing on the record and Ty Dolla you can tell he's influenced by a lot of 90s artists. Young Boy's verse isn't awful on this track, but he isn't quite a fit for this track either. I love Tyler's verse though. He's not only smooth, but conversational, like he's actually hitting on someone. So I I really do think the song would have been a little bit better. I love the song, Don't Get Me Wrong, but I think the song would have been a little bit better if it was just Tyler, the Creator, and Ty Dolla Sign, because Youngboy wasn't really a fit. You know, he was okay, but I could have done without his verse. My favorite lines on this track is quote, if you got a man you should cut him off, get your passport cause we running off. The next track I wanted to talk about is Hot Wind Blows which features Lil Wayne. Now what I love the most about this song is both Tyler and Wayne's rhyme schemes throughout their verses and how they choose to say or frame certain words that they rhyme with others. I may not fuck with Wayne anymore but he's been killing his verses lately and his verse on Hot Wind Blows is no different. He was just in his bag. I also love the production on this track. The flute is beautiful and the sample is nicely placed. I think the sample choice is also very unique which I like I'm tired of hearing the same samples or or hearing a sample that is not really a sample it's really just a glorified remix with a change of certain things like a change of drums or an addition of little things. This is actually an appropriately used sample. Tyler puts his own spin on it, but you can clearly tell it's also a sample as well. He's a, he's a really, really good producer. The production reminds me of something Griselda would rap on for some reason. Maybe it's the sample that's used. It just kind of sounds like them, which is funny because Tyler, the creator, admitted that West Side Gun just inspired him to just start rapping again. And he also sampled, I think, a West Side Gun song on his album and i'm wondering now if it's this one i'm not sure but i did read on twitter that he did sample a song from west side gun so that's not a shock clearly west side gun is a inspiration for this album and so maybe griselda and that type of production was an inspiration for this album as well my favorite lines from hot wind blows are quote excuse me pardon me the wind it blows so hard to me like mother nature arguing about some baby father beef and I'm stuck in the middle of the sandwich like slaughter meat just because I liked um, Wayne's play on words here and also quote by the by the by the something 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 treat that last part like you niggas ain't saying nothing and I just like that line because again Tyler was just popping off he was on his cocky shit and I got a kick out of that line the next song I want to talk about is Rise, which features Daisy World. It's an, she's an artist, I think it's a woman, that I've never heard of before, but I really, really like the track. What caught my attention at first is the production, of course. The beat sounds like it was inspired by 80s hip-hop. It might be the drums and also the melodies and the hook, which sound like an 80s song to me, so that could be why. It just sounds more like traditional boom bap, like the traditional boom bap beats, think LL Cool J, Run DMC, Big Daddy Kane, like artists from that time. It also actually kind of sounds like something Bad Boy would have created back in the day as well. I can definitely hear Puffy on this. Tyler's just spitting on the song and bragging and like I said before and I'll say it again I love that shit. It's just a fun song and a standout on the album and when outside really opens back up it's definitely gonna be a fun song to play at parties. My favorite lines from Rise are, quote, look, you tell me I can't, I tell you I can. You tell me I can't, I do it again. Just because I feel like the line is really inspirational, it just shows how persistent Tyler is where it's like you keep telling me I can't do something but I'm going to prove to you not only can I do it but I'm going to do it over and over again and finally maybe you'll shut up and you'll recognize my talent and my skill and appreciate me more and I feel like anybody really can relate to that line of just being persistent and and not letting anybody else's doubts stop you from succeeding. The last song I wanted to talk about on this album is a song called Wilshire. This song is a standout to me because of the story Tyler's telling on it. The eight minute song plays out kind of like a mini movie in which he tells his audience about a girl he fell in love with while she was dating his best friend and the story ends with her choosing to stay with her boyfriend instead of running off into the sunset with Tyler. I definitely think the song is in Jaden Smith's lane. From the production to the story Tyler's telling, it's really reminiscent of the stories that Jaden tends to tell on his own albums and at first I said I would have loved to hear him on the song. But after listening to the song more and more, I understand why the track is just Tyler because it's way too personal to feature another artist. He's literally laying his heart on the line for about 8 minutes about this girl that he fell in love with. Despite the very long length of the track, I love it because the story really speaks to me, it's intriguing, it's interesting. I just love it so I don't mind the song being 8 minutes. Call Me If You Get Lost is a fun rap album filled with strong writing, great production, and a really engaging theme, and also great callbacks to certain periods of time, from the Gangsta Grill's aspect of the album to some of his production style. This might end up being one of the best rap albums of the year after Cole's The Off Season. Moving on from Call Me If You Get Lost, I also had to give a review of one of the most highly anticipated albums of the year, which is Doja Cat's Planet Her album. So on Planet Her, Doja brings you into a world that she's created. It really is like her own universe. She invites you into her world and tells different stories about love and life, experience, and each song has a prominent feminine energy to it which makes sense for the album title. The visuals from her album cover to her music videos also really play into this theme as well. This album is the most sonically diverse album from a female rap artist since Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday album. I always look for, I always look at Nicki Minaj as the blueprint which is why it was funny that she named her album The Pink Print because I think it's appropriate because with Pink Friday Nicki Minaj kind of introduced the idea because she caught a lot of flack for this in her career in the beginning and now it's just the norm with Pink Friday Nicki Minaj really did create a a blueprint for female rap artists going forward of okay you can do the rap stuff and you can do the sexy stuff and you can also venture into pop stuff and you can do different things you don't have to just be in this box you can kind of do it all and obviously that inspiration came from Lauryn Hill who also proved hey I can rap and I can also sing as well and I can get and I can produce and I can do all these different things and I think Nicki Minaj introduced that blueprint that's just expected for female artists to follow now and I remember when she used to get a lot of flack for songs like Starships and songs like Super Bass because they were really pop records like Roman Reloaded can be regarded as a pop album she did that really well from a rap standpoint Roman Reloaded is kind of a weak album but from a pop standpoint it is and it's often listed as well I'm not just talking shit It's often listed as one of the better pop albums of the 2010s for a reason so Nicki Minaj was able to kind of create that for female rappers like Doja Cat and Cardi B going forward to hey you can do these different things you don't just have to remain in this box you can put out a well-rounded album and it will be accepted and I definitely think that Planet Her is one of the best albums to capture that and do it well since Pink Friday. I kind of think that Good News missed the mark with that. She tried it on songs like Don't Rock Me to Sleep, but it's just not Megan's bag. And and I'm not saying that every female rapper needs to do this, you know, because Megan is a really, really great rapper, but I also think that Megan needs a change of pace. She does need that diversity and Good News lacked that, but Planet Her um, pulled it off exceptionally well. Speaking of Nicki, you can hear her influence throughout this entire album from her manic rap style on Get Into It Yo!, which... Doja thanks Nicki for literally at the end of the track even without her doing that you can really hear Nicki's influence in that song. You can also hear her influence on the animated verse on options. It's just undeniable and Doja is probably one of the more vocal female rappers who will proudly admit that Nicki is an influence And, and like I said it's just undeniable you can definitely hear it. Doja really successfully weaves in and out of different genres and sounds from afro beats to 80s pop to rap. She proves that you can't put her in a box. Like I said, Planet Her really is one of the more diverse rap albums to come out in a while. The top tracks on this album are Kiss Me More, Woman, You Right, and Options. Now I've already talked about Kiss Me More but since then the song has Even though I liked it when I reviewed it, the song has grown on me so much more. I still think SZA has one of the best verses of the year on that. She just skates. It's such a good song and and honestly, it's a really top contender as Song of the Summer. I'm not mad if it is, if it does end up being the Song of the Summer because it really is a great summer track. It's just, to me, the best song on the album for sure. The next track I wanted to talk about is Woman. First of all, this beat is insane and perfect for the summer. This track is a strong way to start an album like Planet Her because throughout the song Doja is telling a lover everything she provides into a relationship and what the true power of being a woman is. I love the melody and her cadence and her flow on this song. It's just a really feel-good record. Her second verse where she raps is dope too, she rides the beat really well which is something that I really enjoyed about this album. My favorite line from Woman is, quote, she can grow it from her womb, a family, provide loving overlooked and unappreciated, you see, you can't reciprocate, because it really does play into what most women feel, and, and also, not only what most women feel, but what most women can do, you know, um, women are multifaceted, you know, we can give birth, we can house babies in our bodies for nine months, we can be bosses in our work fields, we can do whatever we want and so this song really just embodies all of those feelings. I I hope I captured it as well as the song captured that feeling but that's just what I got out of it. The next song I want to talk about is You Write which features The Weeknd. The moment this song began, I mean the moment it began, I completely understood why The Weeknd hopped on this track. It really is his lane and his sound. It's got this 80s shine and glow to it but some bounce too and and that's straight out of the After Hours era in that album so as soon as the song began I'm like you know what this is a good fit. And It's kind of like a good way for him to kind of still be in that universe if that makes sense. It's still a way for him to kind of create similar sounding music of After Hours without kind of creating like another album that sounds just like it if that makes sense. The Weeknd and Doja have good chemistry, and what I love about what The Weeknd provides is he provides more of a conversational style in his verse. It's what makes him a good artist to duet with, and often I love his duets with female artists. He just really nails his part right on the head. That's why him and Ariana have such great chemistry, from Off the Table to Love Me Harder. I really would be here for a joint album between them. I think they could create something really dope. I also think his voice is so smooth and silky here as well and he's just got that, I don't know, he's just got that voice that makes you melt and it, when he gets on records like this you just kind of like, I guess fall in love with the stories he's telling because he sounds so good when he's telling it. Doja's writing is stellar and she always comes up with fun and new ways to say certain things and that's what makes this song in particular stick with you. I also really love the pre-chorus and the chorus of this song. My favorite lines are, quote, and I know your history, met him before your peak, he's so connected to that woman that you used to be. I really felt like this line was powerful because I think a lot of people can relate to that where you kind of, when you first fall in love with a person, you're obviously falling in love with that version of them and what makes a relationship work is that you kind of have to keep falling in love with newer versions of the same person as they grow and change over time and There are a lot of people that can't do that so that's why relationships often you know don't last because this person has now changed into something that you don't really fit and connect with anymore so I like the fact that he said this line in the song because it brings more of a realism aspect to the track. The last song I wanted to talk about is Options which features J.I.D. This is one of the best songs on the album hands down and if Kiss Me More wasn't on the album this would be the best track. J.I.D. and Doja have great chemistry and he really just spazzed on this record like he really took this song and made it his own like he really stood out like he kind of took the attention away from Doja that's how good his verse is he was just in his bag and this song and this production as well was just very fitting for him he has a very animated style like Doja Cat so it works I can't really place who he reminds me of on the song maybe it's Kendrick or Buddy or a mix of both either way he killed it I also really love the chorus and Doja's tone on this track. Like I said, she's a strong writer and comes up with good melodies and fun lines. The beat is also nuts, like that flute just goes crazy. There's something about adding a flute to trap beats and stuff like that that just elevate the track. My favorite lines are quote, She got a lover, but I might get lucky. But you got me on a drain like a drunkie. Looking at the junk in your trunk like a junkie. This comes from... J.I.D.'s verse and I just likes the I just like the way that he says this particular line just the way he phrases his verse just it makes it stick out to me I also like quote I don't need loving late night cuffin', take it all off you naughty put it back on and pause it this just comes from the hook and I just again I love um Doja's tone it kind of sounds a little manic and a little frantic and it just works for the beat all in all I may not care for Doja personally But the music on Planet Her is undeniable and will most likely end up being one of the best albums of the year and probably one of my favorites. I think it officially lives up to the hype and it also proves that Hot Pink wasn't just a fluke and I think that she has a long career ahead of her. Moving on from Doja Cat and my album reviews, I had to talk about the 10 year anniversary of Big Sean's debut album Finally Famous. And in honor of that anniversary, he released a 10-year anniversary version of the album that's remixed and remastered. I didn't listen to the full version of this album, but I didn't care for the remastered version of my last. The drum sounded weird on some of the other tracks you know the vocals sounded a lot clearer the beat sounded more polished so that worked but my last i didn't care for it and honestly i didn't really need to re-listen to the full remix and remastered version because i've heard this album several times i know what's there he also dropped a new song along with the new version of the album called freshman 10 which is a recount of the day they shot the 2010 freshman x double xl magazine cover I love this freestyle because it paints a vivid picture of Sean's emotions and thoughts as this particular day occurred. He literally takes you from the beginning of the day to the very end. It it really does feel like you're there. Now, I've said this before, but Big Sean has changed up his rap style over the past two years, and it still takes me some getting used to. And this is probably why it took a little bit for some of the songs on Detroit 2, and even this freestyle to grow on me, if I'm being honest. It's almost as if he's trying to fit as many words as possible in his verses. It's kind of like when you say a lot at once because you have a lot on your mind that you're trying to get out and and sometimes it tends to sound frantic but not in a bad way. It's not a bad rap style but it does take some getting used to. This freestyle also tugs at my nostalgia too. I may not like Finally Famous as a whole, I like the handful of songs. But I was a casual fan during this time, and I remember hearing "My Last" on the radio for the first time. I remember watching the Marvin and Chardonnay music video for the first time. I remember begging the DJ to play the "Ass" remix at parties, and it feels like it was just yesterday. So it definitely made me a little nostalgic hearing "Freshman 10" and hearing and revisiting some of you know the older songs. It really doesn't feel like it's been ten years. But it brings me back to some great memories that I have attached to some of these songs. Sean has come a long way as a rapper since his early days. He wasn't the greatest to me at first, but he got better and became a much stronger lyricist. And he's now one of the best to come out of my generation. And it's funny because now he is my favorite rapper of all time. So, you know, it's funny how things work. And also sometimes you just have to allow artists to grow into their craft. You know, there was always a lot of potential in him from his early days but he just got better as time went along and he's created a lot of important works to me so I can't wait to see what the next 10 years looks like for him and I think that he deserves his flowers and I hope he gets them. Next I wanted to talk about Jasmine Sullivan because she released a new song called Tragic. A quick shout out to Jasmine because her Hotel Tales EP actually won best album of the year at the BT Awards. This project was incredible so I think it's much deserved and congratulations to her, her speech about her mom and how her mom motivated her to really just work harder and be better, it really made me emotional so congratulations Jasmine Sullivan. But back to what I was saying, she released a new song called Tragic which picks up where Hotels left off which makes sense since she's releasing another part to that EP later this year I assume or maybe sometime this summer. This song tragic is really good. She sounds amazing of course and the production is to die for. Seriously, I love it. It's best described as R&B goodness, simple and plain. I also love the story she's telling on this song, which is about a lover wasting her time with bad sex and no depth to offer. Hotels was great like I said, so I can't wait to hear what she follows it up with. I think the stories told on that EP were really interesting and refreshing, so I can't wait to hear this part 2 that she's got coming. Ed Sheeran also released a new song called Bad Habits. This marks his return after, I want to say, a couple of years off. You know, he got married, he had a child. Bad Habits is clearly an 80s pop-inspired track. I already know that top 40 radio stations are going to play this song constantly because they love to play Ed Sheeran. The 2020s are really going to show the impact that both After Hours and Future Nostalgia are going to have on pop music because I already hear it, especially in songs like Bad Habits. Pop is having a resurgence by relying on 80s sounds. I'm not mad at it if it works, but Bad Habits is basic to me. There's nothing super special about it. It's kind of predictable, but it's not a bad song. It'll do the trick for him though and maybe it'll grow on me because like I said it's not a bad song it's just bland. Ed Sheeran also said in a recent interview that he's releasing his next two albums within the next 18 months and they'll be titled Minus and Equal which I'm assuming will conclude his math symbol series that he's been doing since his debut and I'm assuming that that's probably why he's releasing the album so close together so he can kind of just finish off the series and just move on to something new. So before the end of the episode I have to get into the song of the week and the song of the week is of course Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. I've already gone on and on about why I love this song. Like I said, it's probably it, to me I'm stuck between Leave the Door Open and Kiss Me More being the song of the week. Either song is deserved, but Kiss Me More is just addicting. Every time I play it, I have to run it back again. Doja and SZA really put something special in this track. I'm sure you've heard it by now. But allow this episode to be an excuse for you to run it back again. We have reached the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and ramble for almost an hour. I tried my best to pace myself but also try to get this episode in before this thunderstorm picks up again. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you rate podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoy making it and you want to support it further, then you can head to my listeners' donations and donate to the podcast. You can find it on my website, www.listentomespeak.com or on my Anchor page. And if you want to keep up with me further, I am on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and even YouTube. Again, you can find me on social media through my website, www.listentomespeak.com. And like I say every week, be kind to yourselves and thank you for listening to me speak.